1 Samuel 18. When he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his own clothing, even including his sword, his bow, and his sash. David went out wherever Saul went. David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely, and Saul set him over the men of war. It was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. As they came, when David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy and with instruments of music. The women sang to one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Saul was very angry and this saying displeased him. He said, they have credited David with ten thousands and they have only credited me with thousands. What can he have more but the kingdom? Saul watched David from that day and forward. On the next day, an evil spirit from God came mightily on Saul and he prophesied in the middle of the house. David played with his hand as he did day by day. Saul had his spear in his hand and Saul threw the spear for he said, I will pin David to the wall. David escaped from his presence twice. Saul was afraid of David because Yahweh was with him and had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him a captain over a thousand, and he went out and came in before the people. David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and Yahweh was with him. When Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he stood in awe of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, for he went out and came in before them. Saul said to David, Behold, my elder daughter Merab, I will give her to you as wife. Only be valiant for me and fight Yahweh's battles. For Saul said, Don't let my hand be on him, but let the hand of the Philistines be on him. David said to Saul, Who am I, and what is my life, or my father's family in Israel, that I should be son-in-law to the king? But at the time when Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, she was given to Adriel, the Maholathite, as wife. Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. Saul said, I will give her to him, that she may be a snare to him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David a second time, You shall today become my son-in-law. Saul commanded his servants, Talk with David secretly and say, Behold, the king has delight in you, and all his servants love you. Now therefore be the king's son-in-law. Saul's servants spoke those words in the ears of David. And David said, Does it seem to you a light thing to be the king's son-in-law, since I am a poor man and little known? The servants of Saul told him, saying, David spoke like this. And Saul said, Tell David, the king desires no dowry except 100 foreskins of the Philistines to be avenged of the king's enemies. Now Saul thought that he would make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. When his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law. Before the deadline, David arose and went, he and his men, and killed 200 men of the Philistines. Then David brought their foreskins and they gave them in full number to the king that he might be the king's son-in-law. 
Then Saul gave him Michael, his daughter, as wife. Saul saw and knew that Yahweh was with David, and Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. Saul was even more afraid of David, and Saul was David's enemy continually. Then the princes of the Philistines went out, and as often as they went out, David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was highly esteemed. So this chapter starts uh, right after the battle where David has killed Goliath, and David speaks with Jonathan and it says their hearts were knit together. Now that's a wonderful thing right there. Now if you remember, we go back to I think chapter 14, there's a story where Jonathan goes out with his armor bearer and attacks the Philistines at Michmash, and he conquers them single-handedly. There's just the two of them, and they kill about 20 Philistines, and fear sets in, and the Philistines flee. And there's a great victory because of uh, Jonathan's bravery. And at that time, Jonathan and Saul were the only two Israelites that had a sword. Everyone else only had things like pitchforks. So Jonathan is someone with great bravery. And you'll notice all through these stories that Saul's always someone who's afraid, and the soldiers are always so afraid when they're with Saul. But Jonathan is brave, And we read in the last chapter, David is brave. So these two men are people that have got hearts that just trust God and they're brave. And when they meet each other, they discover that they're the same. They love one another and the Lord takes their hearts and knits them together and they become a one heart. Now that there is what we're supposed to be in the body of Christ. We're supposed to be of one heart. We we need to ask the Lord to knit our hearts together with faith in him, with love for one another, and this, this, the example we have here of Jonathan and David and their love for one another, it's not a romantic love, it's not a sexual love. You know, some people have said this was homosexual, that's all rubbish. No, this love they had for one another was pure Christian love and acceptance, except it's in the Old Testament. And it's the type of thing that is so rare in the Bible, and yet it's what God's called us to do. He's called us to be a people of one heart and one mind. And here's an example of it. In fact, there's such a good example of it Jonathan takes off his robe and puts it on David. A robe was a sign of kingship. And and Jonathan, right here in this moment, acknowledges what David is going to be the king one day and gives him, he's willing to give up his own right to be the king right here. And this is the way we should serve one another. So after that, Saul puts him into service. He becomes involved in the army. He goes out, he fights the Philistines, and there's a season of war, and uh, David's really successful. And when they're returning from the season of war, um, it says in verse 6, it says, after he returned from defeating the Philistine, but apparently that could be translated as a singular or a plural, apparently, what I have read. So it really should say, I think, is better translated, after he returned from defeating the Philistines. In other words, after this season of war. I think it's not talking about after he defeated Goliath, but after he'd been serving Saul for a while and defeated many Philistines. When he returned, the women sang this song and they said, David has killed his ten thousands, but Saul only his thousands. So that's where Saul becomes jealous. I don't think Saul becomes jealous after David kills Goliath. I think he's just relieved. And um, because, um, you know, David had only killed one person and Saul had killed none. But after this extended period of battle, they'd been in warfare. David had killed a lot of people. Saul had killed a lot of people too. But this is where the song is sung, and this is where Saul becomes jealous. And so jealousy is a terrible, terrible sin, and it ruins the rest of Saul's life. 
and it makes David's next 10 years or so, I'm not sure how long the next period was, but it was lengthy, and it makes it very, very difficult. I think it was about 10 years or maybe 12. And um, I'm gonna to read to you what I've written here about jealousy. There's been some great, great sermons preached on jealousy, and, uh, but it's worth mentioning just a few things. What I've written here, it says, jealousy is a terrible sin, perhaps one of the worst. In the New Testament, we are warned against such things. Paul says in Galatians 5 that it is the work of the flesh, and he says people like this will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So you might think, oh, someone being jealous is not that bad. No, according to Paul, people of jealousy will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's Galatians 5, 19 to 21. According to James 3, 14 to 15 in the New Testament, jealousy is demonic and out of jealousy comes every disorder and every evil. In, in, in other words, every single evil thing comes out of jealousy. Think about that. That's how bad jealousy is. See, if you're someone that's struggling with jealousy, it's bad. You've got to sort it out as quick as possible. It will ruin you. And if you think about jealousy for a minute, it's actually multiple sins rolled into one. It's the breaking of multiple commandments. This is One of the Ten Commandments says you shall not covet. In other words, you shall not want something that belongs to someone else. Jealousy is certainly that, but it's more than that because it's not just wanting what they've got, it's hating them, it's trying to ruin them. You know, instead of just looking at what someone else has got and wanting it, uh, which is bad enough, you actually want them to not have it and you want to do anything you can to stop them from having it. You hate that person. Uh, there's no gratitude towards the Lord. So you, you're failing to love your neighbor, which is something God's commanded. You're failing to love God because it's a dis displeasing, stinky attitude to him. And so it involves failing to love God, failing to love your neighbor, hating your, your, your neighbor, wishing them harm. It involves, um, you know, coveting and involves murder, which according to Jesus is the sin of hatred taking to its extent. So it's all those things and maybe more. Saul struggled with all of those things and he wanted David dead and it ruined the rest of his life. And I have no doubt in saying that I believe Saul is in hell right now. Um, and it ruined David's life too and it ruined Saul's daughter's life, it ruined Saul's son's life. You think of Jonathan, such a godly man yet his future was ruined because he was faithful to his dad, but he died because of it. You think of how terrible all these things are. And um, so Saul tries now multiple times in this chapter to kill David. He starts out with the obvious by trying to pin him to the wall with a spear, and then he starts using tactics, like putting him into prominent positions in the army so that hoping the Philistines will kill him. And then ultimately he, he wants to give Saul, his daughter, and he, as a price for the daughter, he wants a hundred Philistine foreskins. In other words, he wants David to go and kill a hundred enemies, and he thinks that surely <laughs> one of those enemies is going to get him. But no, David goes and kills two hundred. Now that it's a very, very interesting thing that um, this thing killing the foreskins, because it, it, it reminded me of something I had heard somewhere. One of the kings of Egypt. Um, and I think it's Ramses III, Pharaoh king of Egypt, he used to have a bounty on the enemies of Egypt. So Egyptian soldiers, they could go out and they could just at any time just fight an enemy and kill them. And to begin with, the Pharaoh had this thing that they could just bring a hand. 
If they brought a hand of their an enemy, they'd get the bounty. And so <laughs> some smart Egyptians started doing things like chopping off both hands and bringing two hands and trying to claim a double bounty. So after a while, the, uh, the wise old pharaoh thought to himself, well, what can, what can I do to guarantee that it's men? That was the other thing, as they were killing women and chopping off their hands. And what eventually the pharaoh thought, what can I uh, you know, have them bring to guarantee that it's a man? And what do men only have one of? Well, you know. And so just like in this story, and all of these things are carved into the temple at Luxor in Egypt today, and there's a whole there's a whole big things being written up on that. But here Saul does something very similar. He wants to guarantee it's men. Now I don't know if there's a way of guaranteeing it's a Philistine, but I guess that's what the foreskins is about. All all the Israelites were circumcised, so if you killed an Israelite Israelite, there wouldn't be wouldn't be a foreskin. But if you went and killed a Philistine then Saul would at least know it was not an Israelite that had been killed. So David not only does 100, he kills 200. And the Lord was with him. Everything that Saul tried to do against him, the Lord turned around for good. So everything was going um, David's way. And that's the nature of it. When the Lord is with you in something and he fights for you, everything will turn around. Everything the devil intends for evil will turn into good. All the enemy enemy's plans will fail. So the key for us is being in the center of the will of the Lord. And David, through all of this, you know, any number of uh, any number of other people, probably 99.99% of all other people would not go through any of these experiences with a, with a with a good and a clean heart, but David does. David knows they're trying to kill him. David knows they want, that he wants 100 foreskins so that he can be killed. David goes double he goes 200 because he wants to prove his loyalty. He wants to show the king how loyal and faithful he is. There's not too many of us that are like this. I've heard stories, um, I remember years ago when I was a school chaplain and there was a, a, a young man who was um, very short. He was in, in the high school where I was working at and he'd got a job as a jockey, as an apprentice jockey. And he was only 14 or something at the time, but very short. And because he was small and light, these are perfect people to ride horses for racing because uh, you know you want to carry the lightest load you can on the horse. So this guy, he'd only gotten this apprenticeship just a few weeks before, and, and I said to him, how's it going? And he said, oh, I quit. Because you know they said this to me, and they said that to me. And it was just because of things that were said, this young man quit a perfect opportunity at advancement in life. And that's so common. It's so common for people to quit their jobs and to give up just because of something someone said or something someone did because our attitudes are most of the time just so stinky. But here's David. They're trying to kill him. <laughs> but he just, it makes him serve all the more. It makes him all the more determined to love, to give, to serve, to be faithful. You know, where is that attitude today? Well, I tell you what, it's in Christians, but it's in not very many of them but it needs to be in you and in me and in, in needs to be in God's people all the more. So let's try for that. Lord, help us. Help us to have the attitude that it was in David. I pray you'd remove out of our hearts all stinkiness, but I pray you'd put into our heart that attitude of no matter how I'm treated, I'll be faithful. And if I'm treated badly, I'll serve even harder. Lord, give us grace, I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.